they didn't find that connection with themselves they're looking for. Because when they went, they kind of did them, but over there. And that's not work. You don't put yourself outside your comfort zone. You spend time only with new people, but then it's not just the easy, like, you know, people. No, no, you got to stretch. That's when, like, the, the, the crazy dots connect and the serendipity happens. And boom, you find the fusion. You're like, that's me. That's it. That's my thing. That's who I am. Life is an interesting journey. You never know where to take you. Peaks and valleys, twists and turns. Welcome to your next chapter. Regardless of what chapter you're in, success begins with taking ownership of the life you have. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Taking back your life begins with understanding what mindsets you're operating with. In this podcast, I deconstruct the mindsets of coaches, entrepreneurs, and social influencers to provide you with the skills and mindsets to own and dominate your next chapter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, well, welcome. Today's guest is David Brower. He's joining us from Boulder, Colorado. And David, I brought David on the show because he helps people to connect with themselves and with other people and their emotions, their feelings, getting out of their head and connecting into their body. And he runs something called the Sensorial Experience Day. But before I tell you a bit about that, he spent 20 years in the entertainment industry outside of the USA. He worked for Disney for four years. He was the head of IMAX in Europe and brought some of the largest films to Europe, Middle East, for the IMAX theaters. And so he worked in entertainment for about 20 years and finally decided that that was not the right place for him to be and eventually moved into his current role where he now works as the owner-operator of Sensorial Experience Day, which does different day-long workshops in Austin, Boulder, Colorado, Toronto, and Paris, France. And so I'm super excited to have David on the show today. He is also a chef and does a lot of work with foods where he connects people to the senses, to their senses through the food that he cooks. And so we had a riveting conversation. I'm super excited to have him here on the show. So without further ado, here is David Brower. David, thank you so much for joining me and my audience today. It's great having you on the show. I always like to start off with the same question. I normally prep people for this question, but I know you're all about being in the present in the moment, so I didn't prep you for this. So this is going to be the first time it rolls off like this. So if, and we get right into it, if your life was a book title, what would be the title of your book? Uh, this this may sound a little bit pretentious. I hope not. <laughs> it would be How to Love Life by David Brower. How to Love Life. By David Brown. And why would it be How to Love Life? So I think at the end of the day, that's what we're all looking for. What I'm looking for is to is to get an enduring, um, you know, experience of life where I embrace everything that life has to give, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, and live consciously about that, but not get too... You know, not not sort of feel sorry for myself, not feel that the challenges that I'm facing um, are unfair, uh, not, uh, you know, not feeling negative or listening to my inner critic or feeling this sense of ongoing anxiety, etc. And somehow interpreting that to mean that something's wrong with me, something's wrong with my life, that I don't love life. 
And so for me, it's really, if you're going to love life, you've got to be able to embrace all of that. And, you know, I'm not claiming per se that I'm always a, you know, master at that, but that's certainly my ambition is through all the challenges and ambitious things I seek, through all the moments with people, good, bad, and ugly, through moments where it's like, I'm feeling bored, whatever it is, to not blame life. I mean, we're here once, you know, you got to, you got to snap out of that and find a way to reconnect with yourself. So you generate the life that you want to lead, of course, and you make conscious choices. And we'll talk, I'm sure a lot about that. But at the end of the day, you know, we have just one opportunity here and we've, we've got to love it. And I keep reminding myself of that, reminding myself of that, you know, how to love life and how do I love my life, which would be different from you, from somebody else. You know, there's different elements, but are you leading the life? Uh, that you want to lead so that you love life. And notice the nuance here. It's not how to love your life. That's part of it. But it's not just your life. It's how to love life. You don't, you're not alone on this planet. How do you love life when there are children starving in certain places of the country where um, women are being beaten up by men, when, uh, you know, there are suicides, when there are wars, when there are political decision things. All these things are so out of our control, which can be so, you know, horrible. How do we, in spite all of that, love life? Contribute as you want to contribute and, you know, have a great life, right? So that would be my, uh, my things. How do we get, how do we get more people at every level to get the skills, the talents, the tools, the support, the people around them, the dignity to uh, continue to say to themselves, I love life. Not my life. That's us. That's great. I want to love my life. Believe me. But how do you love life? It's larger. And just for the people listening, David is outside. So if you hear some wind every now and then, I'll do my best to edit it out. But he loves being outdoors, and so he's sitting outside while we're recording right now. So that background noise might be a little bit of wind. But I want to ask you on that note because I'm gonna. It totally resonates with me where I'm at a point like, am I loving my life? And I've had this big realization. It's like there's external expectations and internal expectations, and I'm spending more and more time with those internal expectations and asking myself, am I doing things for myself? Or am I doing things for other people? So how do you take responsibility? How What do you do in your life to make sure that the things that you're doing are for yourself and that you're truly loving your life? Because it sounds easy, but it's something that I've recognized that I haven't taken full ownership for my life. I'm not responsible for every aspect. So how do you take responsibility in your life? Is there a set way you go about it? Well... First of all, you know, some people have a lot of responsibility for others. Uh, and it's almost, it's like that great airplane analogy. You know, first when the plane's going down, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. When the plane's going down, put the oxygen on yourself first, then yeah. put the oxygen on your, your kids, your wife, your baby, et cetera. So for me, it's like, okay, well, first of all, focus on how do you get yourself into a state of well-being? That's so critical. That's where I say, that's where the massive part of it is for me. And that takes a lot of stuff in there, surely. But um, for me, whenever I'm not feeling kind of right or out of sync, I say to myself, "Do I am I doing the things that bring me energy, that bring me positivity, that make me feel strong and confident? That make you feel more alive when it's all said and done. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's giving me that sense of um, uh, uh, of empowerment and energy enough that I have enough energy to face all the things that are that are coming into my into my life. So it's it's first of all, you know that. That selfish sort of self-focus on getting yourself and all the decisions around that. For me, that's like a critical, obviously, that's the sort of self-care, the self-love, um, the focus on yourself part. Um, I think when you're in relationship with other people, 
and maybe or even a romantic relationship. For me, I think it's really important that there's a balance between the couple, that there's an agreement and communication between the couple, that you're going to strive to have a mutually high level of, of vibrancy and, and health. So that's about kind of also focusing on on the other. If I'm really healthy, but I'm with someone who smokes and drinks too much or maybe takes drugs or something, for me, that doesn't feel like I'm succeeding at um, you know, being healthy in spite me focusing on myself. But again, be the example. You know, that's the first thing I think we can do. Like this whole, whole thing about walk the talk. So many people are like, well, you should do this. You have this morning routine. Okay, great. Uh, you know, maybe that works for some people. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, so I don't think it's selfish to focus on yourself. I think we need to be a little bit careful though on what, what are the areas that you're focused on. And maybe, uh, sorry for the dogs here. Who maybe let it's the dogs out? Who? <laughs> we let the dogs out. They're in the other yard. You see, I can't control these no, things. We can't control these things. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's important to focus on like these minimum things. It's almost like the hierarchies, you know. You want to get through what for you, what is survival, what is thriving. And that's where I think the self-care needs to always be focused on. If you get, I mean, there are moments where you have to get out of that. Uh, but you need to be, keep coming back to that resilience, to that core center part that makes you strong and vibrant it could mean that you like to go out dancing once a week it could mean you like to you know eat this or that or you know whatever it is but and i focus on certain things that for me give me the vibrancy and uh, i was kind of laughing yesterday i went to a uh, i went to a liquor store here i'm in the united states right now and i took a picture of the sign which i will post um that said uh um if you're if you're 50 years old we're carding you. I'm like, this is so insane. When I was, you know, like 25, 30 years ago in the States or 40 years, you know, that, that number was like 25 or 30. So I really believe today that 50 is the new, you know, 21. Um, if you take care of yourself, if, you know, you don't burn the candle at all sides and expect that you're not going to have shrapnel, that you're not going to have all sorts of problems and, for me, there's a lot of things that I do, which I think are also translatable for a lot of people, um, where I really focus my time, my energy, my resources um, with myself, with the, my wife, with others, to make it actually feed my soul. Well, maybe doing something with other people feeds my soul. So I just try and keep a little bit of this. I think we focus a lot on kind of, well, it's kind of about me taking care of you know, myself. And I think at a lot of levels, that is so true. At the other level, if we don't externalize that and, and it's a little bit suppressed and we're not sharing that generously with other people, I think there's a stifling there. I think that there's a suppression going on there. I think that we're not, um, we're not sharing our generosity and what we're, you know, what we're uh, reaching is this love of light that we're talking about. Totally. I get that. And so I've talked a lot about self-care and self-love on this podcast with different guests. I came forward about being bisexual about a year ago now on this podcast and had talked a lot of coaches about that, but really what I want to get into with you is how you connect with other people, because I know you have a sensory day and we'll get into a little more details, but you basically have this cooking day where a lot of people connect their senses and the people around them. And so what I want to focus on is bridging that, bridging that relationship with other people, because this is what I'm noticing people that I'm coaching in my audience, that people are struggling in relationships with other people, whether that be family, intimate, or their parents. 
is that how do we connect? And I listened to your podcast with Dr. Greg Wells, I believe is his name. And so one thing that came up there is this idea of like learning, you allow for people to, you know, drop that guard, let's say, and really connect one-on-one. -on -one. And so talk a little bit about that. Like when you're, let's say somebody's sitting down with a person for the first time, whether it's a job interview or a date, how can they connect better in from your point of view? Because this is really something that I want to, dig into and pick your brain about? Well, there's several things, but one of them is really, you know, are you being really who you are? And what I mean by that is, you know, in every circumstance requires a different, maybe style shift. Uh, but what really it is, is, you know, when I meet you for the first time, you know, am I giving you like all my juice? Am I giving you this like, you know, of David Brower in like, you know, one minute? Uh, can I touch you and get you to feel something? Can I create an emotion in you? Uh, laughter, a moment of reflection, uh, oh yeah, you know, something that kind of slices in and breaks a pattern in people. So people meet a lot of people. So how do you stand out in that crowd? For me, it's that you're really sharing a moment of you like you were sharing with your best friend and you're like playing a prank or you're, you know, you're trying to um, you know, be funny or say something maybe deep. You're expressing something that's really true from you in, in a moment. Um, so it's less, you know, calculated. It's less kind of, you know, well, here, here's how you connect. You say this to the person, you ask these questions. I think if you ask the kinds of questions to the people you're close to, uh, if you ask the kind of questions that not the 10 standard questions that people ask, I mean, there's a little bit of, politeness involved in there, but I don't, I don't think that's true. I mean, I'm for political incorrectness, you know, for example, and maybe, you know, you have to be delicate with this, but with, with women or someone that maybe is a conquest, uh, uh, of the same sex or not that you, you want to reach out and say something. And I'm sure you do this sometimes when you meet someone, you, you're like, wow, like I said to you a little bit earlier before we got on here, you know, wow, what a great smile. You know, I love that, you know, complimenting is such a great way to pass energy. Right. And she, so is that the thing you're trying to transfer energy? Are you big on transferring genuine energy from me to you in a positive, radiating way? Is that what you believe is the intention behind how you're communicating with people? I don't know if that's the intention, but that's certainly part of what's happening. It's also this whole thing about mirror neurons, right? Mm -hmm. um, I want you to be really cool with me, Philippe. So you know, so I want you smiling at me, baby. Look at you smile. I love this. You know? Dave's so smiling at me. He's getting my mirror neurons to follow in his in his steps is what it comes down so, to it. So give what you want to get. Right. You know, when you wake up allow. and you're it's like, you know, allow to give and allow yourself to to be a little bit silly, maybe. A little bit uh, um, maybe physical also. I mean, you know, everyone has a way of connecting that sometimes feels so so based on a transactional way of connecting with someone. It's like, you have someone in mind, I want to meet this person because... They can do this for me. Great. Uh, but there's a lot of people probably who can do that for you. Is this the right one? Does this person resonate? Do they get you? Are they going to care about you? Uh, you know, there's lots of things that go through my heart. And part of it is if I connect with someone in a certain way and, you know, I connect with so many people, some of them get that. Some of them don't. Um, you know, oftentimes men, <clears throat> men, I'll say to some man after I've met him, you know, thank you. Thank you, delicious gentleman for this you know, gorgeous uh, day of connection. You're such a vivacious guy. You know, and some, men, some men take this a little bit the wrong way, right? 
They think that like a, you know, a call girl is reaching out to them or something, right? So for me, it's how do you externalize a bit of vulnerability, what people would say vulnerability, you're at ease, you know, so get yourself in that ease. So what do you do? Maybe you do, you know, power posing. Amy Cudi's power posing in the bathroom before you come out. Maybe you just sit with yourself for a sec. But I like to, you know, when you go into like a, a room to meet people, you know, you kind of, before you walk in that room, you take some breath, you get into that state of open. My energy is open. My heart is open. Think like universal connection. I am the Dalai Lama. I am, you know, I am the most loving creature on the planet, energetically speaking. So you don't walk in with your hands in. You don't walk in aggressively. You walk in open and receptively to receiving. You're curious about people. You walk in with your head up and your eyes looking around. And you will notice when you do this and your radar is open like this, your energetic radar, you will be drawn to certain people and certain people will be drawn to you. They will notice you walking in the room. They will feel your energy in the room. You know, most people kind of walk in and like go to a corner or side or they walk in and go stand with somebody they know or so their energy is very niched down. They're not opening up to what's possible, the serendipity. And I mean, I can't believe this, you know, yesterday and this is I don't know if this is just the way that I live my life or that I'm a lucky guy or, you know, it's total haphazardness. But I'm, uh, you know, I'm in Boulder here uh, and we I went to go meet somebody who wasn't there. And we go back in the car. I'm sitting in the car and somebody's walking down the sidewalk. It's a man and a lady. And I'm looking at this guy going, that's David. And this is a, a guy who lives in London. His wife is British that I met at some experience that I went to. And I have no idea he's here. I mean, last time I knew he was looking for a house in London. So I run into him here. Um, maybe he'll be coming to my experience here. Totally random. But this happens to me a lot. At the airport, flying in from Paris a few weeks ago, I ran into um, my buddy Alex Sharfin, a uh, remarkable entrepreneur, a guy out of Austin. We were talking about meeting up in Austin. I run into him at the airport, okay? Then what happens? We're on the same plane. We get on the plane. He's in the same row that I'm in. There's 40 rows in a goddamn airplane. He's in the same row. And what happens? The seat next to me is empty. So he comes over from his seat. I mean... So when you open up this energy and say, anything is possible for me, I can meet anyone, and I can connect with people in a level that's from the heart, that shows that I care. I'm not just a fly-by-night cowboy. I'm just not just looking for a transactional thing. I'm not selling anything. I want to connect with this person because they fascinate me because I'm so interested. And I want to give to them what I can, of course, but it starts by offering that. That, for me, is the major giving thing. I mean, look at you when you walk around. Energetically, most people are not open. There's fear. There's, you know, they're so caught in their heads. They're getting from point A to B. There's all this kind of stuff that's manically pushing us along. And so we, we, we don't stop to smell the flowers. And I say the same thing about people. So I look at you when I walk in. I'm like, wow. I look at your features. Maybe I'm a visual person in a lot of respects, but I want to find something naturally. I do this naturally now. I want to find something nice to say to you. And I don't calculate it. I'm not like, I won't just say anything because of that. But like, you know, I run into somebody who has like this amazing hair, you know, and I was like, I love your hair, you know, I just met the person, you know, or it could be a girl, I could see something kind of sassy, like, wow, that is a sexy dress. That's amazing. You look great in that. I don't even know this person. So we got to be a little, you know, let's be classy. Let's be elegant. Let's be gentlemanly, depending on the circumstance. Okay. 
but it's, it's, you know, it's about this. It's about connecting, wanting to connect, but getting away from this, like, it's, it's, it's gotta be something uh, useful. It's gotta be something, you know, let yourself roam with people a little bit. And if you want to stand out, you gotta find something creative to offer. You gotta find a creative way and spend time. If you wanna spend time on anything, it's like, how can I be creative to connect with somebody? And then afterwards, and this is where I spend a lot of my life also is cultivation of relationships after and to meet people sometimes depends how, you know, where you're kind of aiming, you're looking afterwards, you know, what do you do to cultivate the relationship, to grow the relationship, to bring value when maybe there is no, you know, financial transactional value. How else can you create um, a connection and opportunity for you that's meaningful, that is not a waste of time for one side or the other? And sometimes this will be about, especially maybe when you're younger, um, and even not, I have this all the time, when you're trying to reach somebody that you're dreaming to meet maybe, probably for a long time it's going to be, you know, a little bit of the Vaynerchuk left hook or whatever it's called. You know, you're going to be you know, for probably a pretty long time and say, wait a minute, I've done like 20 left hooks here. And okay, but, you know, you do you want this relationship? Then go and give. You got to keep jabbing at it, as he says, jab, 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 and then the hook, yeah. Get more creative and get more, you know, find people that are around these people. I mean, there's lots of things we could talk about there, but so yeah, that's a, that's really, that means a lot to me, the, the, the human connection of things, because we've so closed off because we're people, other people are taking advantage of people. You know, the minute you kind of open up a bit your energy, there's some of these people that are energy vampires that are, that want to abuse you in some way. They'll leech off you completely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so I do want to ask because as much as I promote, you know, connecting with your body and getting more in touch with your emotional self, I do love the how-to version of things. And so for you, when you go into a room, going back a little bit, is the mindset that I'm opening up, I'm being expansive, and I'm being curious to what's here because people, I like giving people those hacks, right? It's like, what is the mindset that you have? Like, because you connect with people, you've done very well for yourself in that aspect. So what, like, how do you do that? Is it really, that's the mindset for you? Go in there, open, energy, curious, willing to give, and that's how you're able to attract the things that you want into your life? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways we could take this, but let's let's say, I don't know, let's say is is like... Uh, is going to like some kind of a like hundred person, two hundred person mastermind event or something like this. Let's let's take that maybe is the context. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. So, you know, first of all, can you know anything about the people that are going before? If you can find out who's going, who's who's kind of interesting for me. Um, you know, who would I love to meet? Uh who would I love to to connect with or even just spend a moment with? Um, I think is the the first thing. And that's partially on one side that's maybe um, you know, utilitarian, like I, I need someone to help me build my website, or I need someone to help me with my branding, or I need someone to help me with my uh, meditation, whatever. Maybe there's somebody there. Marketing, whatever it is. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so maybe if you can see the people who are there, do a little research, find out a little bit more about them. Um, on a personal side, you know, great, you can go on their website and read the, the stuff that's going on. If you can find something else about them um, and do a little bit, particularly the ones you really want to connect with. And maybe you will find something similar also in your past, your experiences. Um, you know, maybe you saw a talk, there's something that touched you and you want to share it with them. That's really important. If you can go up to somebody, I love when people come up to me and say, I saw this or I saw that. And wow, I just, 
I was so moved or that, that that story really touched me or really resonate with this. That's great. People really enjoy kind of, kind of receiving that. So I'd say for first, that's kind of what's going on. And of course, before you come into the room, whatever you need to do, go to the gym, meditate, do some, some deep breathing, kind of just for a minute before you go and just kind of close your eyes and just reconnect again with your heart and who you really are, who you really are. Okay. Your head will help you figure the rest out. Uh, but for me, it's like, how do you connect with that? You know, who you really are. And then, you know, what is your intention when you're coming into that room? Really, why are you there? What is really the purpose for you to, to, to be there? Um, that's going to guide how you connect with and who you want to connect with. Uh, after that, I like to, you know, again, I think life is so much about roaming and running into people, uh, and kind of, you know, part of it is a lot really serendipity, uh, and creativity and this kind of stuff. So, um, to again, just walk in with, you know, really opening up your body. You know, it's really like you, you want to just open yourself up before you walk in the room for a couple minutes, you know, and breathe and just kind of cover your eyes and just remind yourself, don't leave too long the heart when, you know, you'll be in a meeting that's going to talk about online marketing or something. It's going to go, to, you know, just remember, don't reach for people from here is my, is my suggestion. Cause I think at the end of the day, we want to connect with people that we, that we like or that we think we like. That we, that we feel potentially have similar uh, values or something complementary about them. Maybe they're really shabby, you're really talkative and some other. Okay. So, um, so there's things like that I would say to do. Uh, you know, again, there's so many downtimes in these. Uh, I mean, I'm always trying to get into the front row seats when I go to these experiences. So, you know, get up in the front, get in the front, then put your stuff down and then go walk around to people you don't know. Go say hi to the two. Go hug the people that you know up and, you know, tell them, you know, you're having a good time. How's it going? So glad you're here. Say something nice to them. You know, wish them an incredible day, you know, but then open up the radar and just kind of walk and see who you connect with. Unless you have your list of people, then you should be walking up to these people, right? You should be always trying to find that opportunity uh, to, to do something. And again, create creativity. You know, just, you know, hi, I'm John. Uh, I do online marketing and um, I saw that you're doing online marketing also. You know, no, no. I want you to tell me that you you love my shoes, man. Tell me something about me, right? What? Yeah, let's connect authentically, deeply. You, yeah, well, you want to open up, you want to loosen up other people. It's almost like if I said to you, here's the challenge. Everyone you're going to meet, you're going to get them to crack a smile. Everyone you're going to meet, you're going to get them to say, oh, thank you. You know, everyone you meet, you're going to somehow show them, demonstrate to them the interest that you have. Um, you know, some people will bring things they want to give people. Okay. I think you can do this without anything. You just need to open up your heart and just what do you appreciate about this person? And to be authentic about it. You know, you don't want to say something that's just to say something. If you have nothing to say, better not to say something. But find something. Everyone is so beautiful in life. They always have something. It could be the way they talk. It could be the way they hold themselves. It could be the talk they did. It could be the content they did. Of course. It could be the achievement they did, etc. People, you know, are, are, are getting a lot of people coming up to them for that. It's like, how, how can you make someone feel good? How can you make someone feel an emotion? You know, laughter, curiosity. How can you get them curious about them? You know, somebody say, oh, we'll walk up to them and ask a question. Sure, you can, you can do that, but I wouldn't start with that. I would start with a massive smile, 
with, you know, moving a little bit your body so you're not just the person that walks up, you know, that you look like you're somebody that they want to meet that's good in their skin. You know, and that's why the preparation before you go in, you know, you know, before you go into that day, make sure you're doing whatever your morning ritual is, whatever you need to do to get yourself into a state, which again can be breathing, it can be heavy breathing, light breathing. Uh, it could be just one minute of closing your eyes with meditation. Um, it could be, you know, the Tarzan thing. The beating uh, on the chest, yes. That beating on the chest, you know, it could be looking at a photo of your kids and your wife or remembering who you really are. You know, get soften yourself up. Everyone talks about vulnerability today. Well, when you go to a meeting or things like this, open yourself up, you know, let yourself, let yourself be receiving because people also feel that. I'm telling you, people will come up to you. You'll see the energy that you create. And the more people that you spread this openness and this curiosity and this smile and this like love of life, you want someone to say to you, man, that dude loves life. Remember, I was at a seminar and some guy's looking at me and everyone else in the room is, it was a thing with my last company many years ago. Everyone else in the room is like taking notes and really serious. And it was like a motivational kind of speaker dude in Canada, actually. And, and I was just sitting there with this big fat smile that I have on my face. I'm just looking at the guy because I'm just like, Loving his energy and, and kind of how he's making me feel. Uh, and of course, there's lots of things to note, but we, I mean, how many people actually go back to all these things? Good luck for all of you. you know, good. Congratulations. You're smarter than I am. But, you know, he made me feel something. And I remember that one moment because he looked at me and he said, he said, David loves life. Just because I'm sitting there receiving, I'm letting him touch me and I'm showing him that the story he's telling, the thing he's talking about, and I'm not forcing it. I'm just finally really engaged and focused. And present, I'm not thinking about what am I going to say to him. Let me listen first. Let me receive. And I struggle with this a bit also. We all do. Uh, but I keep reminding myself uh, of that. So, yeah, and if somehow you're getting out of that, you know, take a moment. Go to the bathroom. Um, go to somebody else you know very closely that's there uh, and say, listen, can, can you tell me a joke? Or can you give me a hug? Can you hug me for 20 seconds? And let me share some of your calm and some of your energy. You know, these types of things. Uh you know, that get us again kind of a little bit out of the head that wants some kind of a rational, fast, quick fix, in and out, you know, uh, kind of, uh, kind of transaction, which is, it's not going to lead to something meaningful necessarily. Um, cause either you're going to take the moment to be remembered by whoever you meet. Um, and this is so much about the moment you walk in, how you greet people. And then every subsequent day, if you're at something multiple, how you greet these people you've met. I mean, you know, show them that you you see them, that you recognize them, that you honor them by embracing them, shaking their hands, saying again, finding another compliment every day to give them. They're never going to forget you. They're never going to forget you. And give them this love of life, which everyone has a different form of it. Uh, you know, share share that. Is that is that useful? Yeah, definitely useful. And it's about acknowledging people. And really, I think two things that I want to share on that point where one, even this interview for the first, I always script questions for the podcast. And then I sit here with my paper and I go through the questions and we go through it. But what I've recognized listening back to podcasts is there are times where I missed amazing opportunities because I wasn't listening, right? I was so like, where's the next question? Because like there's scripted beforehand that you would say something and then I was so focused on getting to the next question where I missed that huge opportunity. And so this is the first podcast where I'm recording where I did my homework, like kind of what you talked about. I interviewed the interview with you and Dr. Greg Wells. Um, I had like three pages of questions, 
but they're here. They're closed off. And like, I'm not looking at them. So like, I know what I want to ask you. And there's three main questions that I've kind of broken it down to. But it's like I want to be present to you is what it comes down to it. And that is key, right? And I totally agree with that. And I think the second thing I want to add to that is going first. And I've been going on some first dates with girls lately. And this one girl has been on three dates. And I haven't told her that I'm bisexual. And kind of my third date is eating at me. And so, but I still didn't tell her. But another girl, like I'm like, I did on the first date. And recently I met this girl at a trade show this weekend and I told her right where we met. And what I'm learning is like when I'm fully vulnerable, this goes like when you're truthful and you go first, that's when you're giving, that creates connection too, right? Because I was so afraid that like if I tell these girls that they're not going to like me because I've dated men and that's going to be an instant red flag and gone like that fear was like crippling me. But now I'm like, I need to stand in my truth. And if they don't like me, they need to find out as fast as possible because that's going to actually help me align with the people I want to be with. If they don't like that aspect of me, then so be it. But what I find is when I speak and I go first is that it creates trust because then they're able to now reciprocate because I've already shared information about myself. And so now they can feel like they can open up. And that's big too about really connecting with people. It's huge. Huge. Going first, being the leader, taking on that role. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's a huge part of it. And it is about when you're reaching out to people. And I, you know, I sometimes wonder about how, you know, all transparency and vulnerability and what, what really is being authentic with, with people. Cause in some, in some respects, I have a lot of respect for people like yourself, surely. I mean, absolutely. Uh, on the other side, sometimes I say to myself, you know, we do have our own private gardens and we do have our own, uh, you know, our own, uh, our own stuff that we don't necessarily need to, uh, to, to always share. It depends on circumstance, depends on what we're trying to achieve, I feel, uh, and how we're trying to connect with people. And almost sometimes I, I, I think, I guess romantically that there's a, there's a peeling of the onion where, you know, if someone likes you, if someone appreciates you, that, you know, the stuff that comes out afterwards is not going to be too, you know, too problematic. Or, or let's say you're building a, you're building a relationship where when the time comes, uh, and this is maybe different with dating. Don't ask me on that one. <laughs> but you know, you don't want to waste time or whatever it is. I don't know. I, I can't answer you for that one. But I would say that there, you know, there's a moment where, where also you wonder, you know, why, why hasn't the person I met been a little bit more curious about, uh, about me or what could I share? you know, kind of subtle hints or something that would kind of get them to ask me, uh, you know, how can I make it, I, I don't want to say maybe less, less black and white, but, you know, where are the shades of gray where I can preserve my dignity? I can feel I'm being authentic. I'm not, uh, I'm not sharing who I am. I'm not stifling myself. God does. That's not what you want to do. And, and again, I applaud you for what you've done. You're uh, releasing this, sharing these things, you know, privately, publicly, the way that you do this. Uh, is huge. So many people suppress things that are like this big and you're revealing something that's massively you know, big, monumentally personal. And it's really, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a tremendously personal, uh, decision. So I applaud you for your, uh, for your, uh, your courageousness in, in opening because that, that brings up all sorts of feelings and all sorts of doubts and all sorts of, you know, probably leads to some losing friends and, and, and pissing off people and, you know, getting whatever. I mean, it's, so that's, that takes a lot of, uh, courage. So, you know, I, I agree with you. You gotta be upfront and with people. Uh, 
I think it's a little bit different than, you know, maybe not sharing something doesn't mean you're not being inauthentic. There comes a point where there's a time and a, so I don't know, I would just, uh, I think it's, you know, my experiences that I created so much about, well, I don't really care what you make for money. I don't really care where you're from. I'm kind of exaggerating, but you know what I'm saying? You know, I don't really, I don't care about your sexual preference. I don't, you know, that's just really not the really point. It's like, do, do I like you? Do we get along? Do you make me laugh? Do you, do you say things that touch my heart? Are you a good person? When I, when I open up and share things, are you there? Are you, are you holding the space? Are you fixated on your stuff and, you know, all you're there to do is to spew your thing or, you know, is there, is there some kind of, uh, you know, conversation happening? Is there, is there something here that goes beyond, again, something that's just, utilitarian, you know, uh, optimization. Uh, you know, these things are important. Uh, I have a lot of this in my life, obviously. Uh, but I think the most meaningful relationship I have come through the non-utilitarian uh, side of things. And then, of course, we figure out how to add in the rest afterwards. Or there's, there's obviously a lot of that going on. But again, this is all an art, my friend, right? So, which is part of it. It's kind of mixing the art and the science of, of being you. So... But I like that story. That's interesting. Tell me how that goes with uh, with her once you share that. <laughs> I will keep you updated for sure. I want to uh, shift gears here a little bit. Um, I do want to get into essential experience days, but before we go there, this podcast is called Your Next Chapter, and I want to flip back to some of your earlier chapters because based on your website and what I read, the impression that I got is that you were very sensitive at a young age. You felt isolated was, I believe, the word that you used on your website, and I think a lot of people feel isolated. And you had these aha moments, and you talked – the first one was that higher education didn't bring you clarity was one of your first aha moments. And, again, higher education didn't bring you the clarity you wanted. And then, secondly, you went to Paris. You basically did a complete reset, and that's what I want to get into because I think – I'm not saying that everyone needs to do a complete 180 and jump out of their life. It's like I think you can do 1% shift changes, which I support and do a lot of coaching around. Or you can do the 180s, right? Depending what circumstance, sometimes it's about making the 1% change and sometimes it's about making a 180 change. It just depends what boat you're on. And sometimes maybe it's 30%. But it's I kind of go one or the other. So for you, what triggered? Why did you pack up and go to Paris? And I want to know if you can share the story of like, you know, when you got there, you talked about learning through experience. I'm really curious to hear more about that. Sure. So I, I had gone uh, to study political science I pretty much started from, from college, I guess. So I'd gone to study political science because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And it was the easy thing for me, pretty much, because political science was pretty much, you know, read a lot of mixed stories of what's happened. And then, you know, write something about it. Connect the dots. And and I could do that, you know, cramming the last minute the night before and, you know, pretty much get, you know, straight A's or close to it. Uh, which was not really good, but that was kind of my way of going through college, I guess. Uh, but it was, it was, it was kind of, I was fleeing facing, uh, facing myself, I guess, really. Uh, you know, and I needed to go through that, uh, to realize that I was not going to go to law school, which I intended to do. I was watching stuff on TV, like there was a show at that time called LA Law and some district attorney, uh, program. And, you know, it was really sexy to be a lawyer. There was lots of money. Uh, there were TV shows about it. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a certain intellectual side of it, which is, you know, massively interesting. I mean, obviously, 
but you know, I, I wasn't too good at logic classes. Uh, I wasn't too, you know, comfortable. I was on the debate team, and yet, you know, I got so sick uh, in preparing for the debates and going to the competitions that I didn't end up debating because I was so, so afraid of being, you know, um, attacked at. And like, you, ha- you know, I didn't really appreciate that, you know, you don't have to respond to everything, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a huge lesson in life. You don't need to respond to every criticism. And particularly, you know, particularly in like a debate team, I should know that, right? But okay. So, but I was so super sensitive about people maybe raising their voice, people kind of attacking me, this like feeling of, you know, and feeling somehow really inferior that intellectually these guys had a lot more on me and that, you know, was I capable of doing the work um, to get to their level? And was that even the point, right? Was that, was that really there or is there something there that's telling me that that's maybe not where my strengths are. That's not really what I want to do. And I realized uh, that I needed to, yeah, I guess it was the LSAT exam. I took two preparatory courses. No one does that, right? It was like Kaplan and I don't know what the other one was at the time. And I'm like, this will help me get to, you know, a good score in the LSAT uh, to get into uh, a good law school. And of course I did horribly. Um, t- I'm terrible with multiple choice stuff also, you know. And so uh, I realized when I was like jumping on my bed and like sipping down whiskey uh, on my bed after the, I got the results because I was so like distraught that, uh, you know, I needed to take a step back. I needed to let myself go. I needed to, uh, I needed to give myself some space to roam and to, to find myself and to, it wasn't through the forcing of it and it wasn't through the peer pressure that everyone else is doing x y and z with their life and asking me what are you doing with yours you know there's all this pressure you know and the societal pressure and the you know and the school debt pressure and all the all these kinds of things that are creating a a a real pressure cooker to to canalize you into making choices and just going with them um and luckily excuse me luckily i chose uh at some point probably because my dad had planted the idea in my head to to go to paris uh, and spend uh, spend a little time. So, so three weeks after I got out of uh, UCLA studying political science, I was on a plane with a one-way ticket, you know, one luggage. I had a you know backpack and a and a sleeping bag, which was useless. Why did I bring a sleeping bag? Um, and you know, got on the plane and just kind of said goodbye to to everyone, uh, not really knowing what was going to happen. And I, I go back to this theme of like. You know, formal education didn't help me choose what I wanted to do with my life there. It wasn't, you know, it was a step and maybe a necessary one, and I don't regret what I learned, but uh, I think it's important to, to have an education, obviously. Uh, but it wasn't serving me to know what I wanted to do with my life beyond the default of going to law school. It was like you you climb a ladder that <clears throat> everyone's holding for you and pointing and says, it's up there, it's up there. And you're looking around, there's all these other ladders, and you're like, well, why am I climbing this one kind of thing? When you realize it gets to the top and it's not where you want to be. Uh, and so I was, I guess I was fortunate in having just this epiphany that I just needed to kind of flee. Uh, I needed to get away from, you know, Beverly Hills, Los Angeles, this whole Hollywood thing, you know, maybe my family in some respect, surely, because uh, there were some issues there. And, and, you know, I knew nobody when I landed. Uh, and the first guy I called didn't answer the phone. Uh, you know, 
Ray him off the list. Uh, second guy I call was uh, uh, an absolutely gorgeous, generous uh, homosexual guy from Portugal who was a friend of a friend. And was like, so he's like, yeah, I'll come to my place. So I go to his place and it's this tiny, like 15 square meter, it's like 150 square feet apartment. And he's in there knitting blankets because that's what he kind of did, really cool blankets. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay. He's like, no, no, don't worry. I have a friend coming back later today from Greece who's gonna who's gonna be able to take you in for a few weeks. Uh, you know, don't worry. So, so that's what happened basically. <clears throat> Excuse me. I uh, I went to his friend's uh, place and stayed, and this was for me also a huge eye-opening experience. Uh, you know, to he, he was homosexual, and um, you know, a, a gorgeous guy, a lovely guy, super generous uh, man, but you know, a little bit flirtatious with me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had just like a famous time with him. I mean, there were so many things I learned in the first few weeks there. Uh, and it wasn't like I, I hadn't spent time, uh, um, uh, you know, with, uh, with any kind of, uh, people with different sexual preferences and things. I mean, I grew up in the entertainment business. My dad was surrounded by lots of people, you know, even today, a lot of my closest friends, uh, probably a lot, a lot of them because, you know, are, are, uh, are gay or homosexual. And I don't think they'll belabor that, but there's so much fun and they're, they're, you know, they're like you, they're people that have, that are going through and opening up to this message inside them, this voice inside them that's saying, be who you are. This is who you are. You need to not suppress this. It's going to kill you. Right. And for them to find a way eat to do you that, up, like it was eating me up, right. Is what it comes down to. And so you just got to own it. Yeah. I just got to own it. And, and they're just a little bit more, uh, you know, externalizing of their, their person. So anyway, so a bit, a bit of parentheses, but so I spent about three weeks with this guy, Alberto. And I learned so many things, I and mean, it was just kind of crazy. I mean, silly stuff that an American, you know, you don't realize that not everyone has a garbage disposal in their sink, right? Uh, and maybe actually the, the sink is made of plastic underneath, and I clogged everything, and okay, I'm like pouring pasta down the sink. Uh, you know, silly, silly kinds of things. But what I chose consciously, though, when I went there, and this is really important, is I chose to consciously immerse myself uh, in the French culture and the French language, and not go the easy path and well, the easy path and, and just like search out like expatriate communities. Um, and that changed everything for me. That gave me the opportunity to uh, meet like in the first few weeks, like my group of French friends that I then I'm still friends with today, you know, 25 years later who kind of took me in as the American of the group. And, and little by little, I only spoke a little French. I only had taken two, like two semesters in college, like three years before I got there. So I didn't really take classes. I just kind of immersed myself with listening, you know, observing, reading signs, reading books, um, really listening a lot, listening, listening until I could start like separate the words, you know, and be in situations where there's so much conversation, which everything in Paris and France happened around the table and food, you know, you want to quickly get pretty uh, talented at that. So it kind of relates to the idea, of course, surround yourself uh, with smarter people, surround yourself with something that has that you can actually, but then you got to really kind of open up to learning it, open to, you know, and, and to be frustrated as hell for pretty darn long times. I couldn't make people laugh without making expressions and things. Uh, you know, I'd have to say like a two-liner uh, or do something. I'd have to like find other way to connect with people, right? You know, again, it goes back to like, how can I connect with smiles a huge way, uh, you know, to already uh, kind of open up and, and again, just get curious. Um, so I spent quite a bit of time uh, in the first few months trying to make new friends, trying to get my grounding, 
Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I was in credit card debt. Uh, and, you know, I just found this incredible to be able to be in such a place where there's so much richness that you don't even need to spend a dime really to walk the city and there's free culture things and people are constantly inviting you over for dinners and parties and things like this. And, and it was such a, an incredible eye opener to a completely different way of experiencing life and how you spend your time and the choices you make and where you spend your money uh, and, and what you want to learn and get out of life and the, the insane power of bringing you to a present moment of being around gorgeous food and with people that you actually want to be spending time with uh, and just letting the conversation kind of get colorful and flowy and, you know, you know, we don't get bent up on, uh, okay, so you want this candidate and I want that one. I mean, maybe there's some debate or writer about that, but no one's getting, you know, their panties all tied up about this, right? You know, it's like, it's just discussion. It's just fluid. It's just, and for a long time, I felt really uncomfortable with expressing myself in Paris. So going back to this, you know, like, uh, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I'd be embarrassed to like eat potato chips in front of, um, like my girlfriends or friends or something. Cause I realized that even my mom was a very disciplined person that I wasn't very disciplined around the table and, and I would eat with my hand under the table, you know, and, and I even remember a terrible story. My gosh, I was sitting around the table. I was probably 14 with my stepfather and my mom. And I'm eating like with my mouth open and, you know, not very well, the hand under the table. And I'm not even looking at them or talking or you know, just kind of whatever. I'm in my zone or I don't know. And my parents say to me, they say, they say, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta eat better. You gotta do this. You gotta do this. You gotta, you know, you can't do this anymore. And I was like, I was like, well, don't worry. Cause when I'm outside with other people, I don't do this. So anyone Classic who's a parent lines. can appreciate that. That is, that is the worst thing that you could possibly say or do in your life. And so I'll never forget that day. Um, and so, so anyway, I realized also there was so much there for me to learn about the arts of table manners, holding yourself that my mom had taught me quite a bit, but I was kind of resisting and being a boy and, and it was, it was about other things, right? And yet I realized there's a tremendous elegance there and a beauty there and respect for yourself and a gift to others to hold yourself properly, to, to eat properly, to, so little by little I was seeing these things that were observing people in Paris, how they held them, how they use their fork and their knife, fork and then a very smart actually, God, if you hold something, you can cut it with the other thing, right? You don't have to use the one hand and, right? And smash genius. around, yeah. Cutlery. <laughs> it's incredible what it can do, right? Is what it comes down to it. God, I want to do a course on cutlery uses. So, so anyway, there was all these sort of lifestyle things that I was, I was learning about. And I clearly realized after about three months, um, when I really got, I got back to myself, I would just sit in cafes and write and you'd start talking to people just sitting next to you, you know, and, um, and there was a certain sensuality in the way people would relate. And, you know, no one really cares what you do, you know, it was so much about, well, can I have an interesting conversation with you? Can we, can we share a moment of exchanging some, some energy, some, some, you know, something that's human, right? That's not, you know, via some mechanical thing or, or based on some transaction that has a, you know, I give you this, you give me this kind of, kind of thing. It just kind of really leaned into all of that and, and realized, you know, uh, I'm not going back to law school. 
That's not who I am. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to spend the rest of my life fighting people like that. Um, I can't even do the logic thing. I mean, I'm a smart guy, but, uh, you know, it would be so wrong for me to do that. Uh, and it was such the right decision. And I realized that I was fleeing, you know, who I wanted to, well, I was, I was fleeing sort of my childhood and, um, this, this desire to have somewhat of a creative life at some level, uh, to be in a creative uh, space where I could express myself. And that's probably when I started getting a bit interested in cooking. Um, I shortly after that was dating some lady and then I actually met my, uh, my wife. Uh, and I don't know how much you want me to go through, uh, my story, but, uh. Well, let's pause right there for a second because I want to have, this is more of a bit of a selfish question. So I have a part of me has always wanted to go to Australia and do the same thing, wander, just like one way ticket, leave everything behind, knapsack on my back and just go. And. Part of it is, like, am I running, fleeing from something, right? I'm having this conversation. It's like, is it going to allow me to go over there and express myself even stronger than I am now, right? And so I've kind of been thinking about this. This is going to be episode 45. It's shutting down at 50 and slowly closing out my life here in Canada and setting myself up to go to Australia. Or another part of me is like, well, can I not just do that here, right, from where I live right now and continue to explore and develop as and still step into my truth here without having to flee or run away? And so I'm just kind of curious to know, like, what is your viewpoint on that? Like, how would you recommend if somebody still wants to go one-way ticket to Australia, Rome, and do that? Or is there the possibility of exploring within the space that you live currently and just not having to go so far abroad to achieve what you're looking for? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think there's an assumption that goes in there, which is a little bit tricky. It's that if you if you go, you'll achieve something that you won't. If you stay, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, there's, there's also a lot of people that put a lot of weight on like going on a pilgrimage or like, you know, the, the problem is the expectation that's linked to this, the, uh, you know, desire for X outcome that's linked to this. Uh, you know, I, I just wonder if going with a, a bit of an intention, but actually you're trying to kind of flee if that doesn't, I don't know if that's kind of, kind of a little bit, uh, conflicting because i totally agree with you that you know we can be happy and unhappy almost anywhere i mean there are bad places to live you know don't get me wrong um you know if you're like you just hate snow and you live in a place where it snows all the time you know that's probably a problem you know uh or if you're not a metropolitan person you're a country person but you live in the city i mean you know these things i think you make adjustments and without leaving really where you live uh that will cater more to what really matters the most to you um Cycling, though, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's all these, you know, this, this sense of, uh, well, what, what in your current life, uh, would you like to have more of? I mean, you know, it's like people that live nearby the ocean uh, and they never go to the ocean. It's like, well, wait a minute. Are you appreciating what's there? It's almost like, well, okay, well, make yourself a promise that in the next six months, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna somehow do the things that you most love. You're gonna seek out the kinds of people that you most want to spend time with. You're gonna, you know, seek the feeling that you're trying to achieve by fleeing. You're gonna see if you can't just find it around you. And I feel that a lot of this, this can be enhanced by spending time with creative people, artistic people, um, artists and things who are, um, who are, you know, intemporal, who are, uh, following, you know, this, passion because they just can't do otherwise um and it's whether they're here or there or 
nonetheless, they're, they've got to find a way wherever they are to, to be able to externalize that and to be able to create. And, and so many times people are, feel like they need to go somewhere else to be able to, to do that. I mean, take it down to a really mini example, which probably everyone on this call feels, you know, it's like the home office scenario. It's like, well, okay, we get a little bit stuck into the home office kind of thing or the workplace. Kind of thing. It's like, well, you've got to make a concerted, conscious effort to challenge yourself to break out of that and get outside and spend time, more time with people. I realize every time I spend more time with people, such great things happen. You know, I go out like this thing I told you about earlier in the go, running into this guy up in Boulder. I mean, what are the chances of that? I mean, it's just like, so, you know, what if you went outside of what you're living now? And that was the trip, at least for the next six months. But again, it's like, what are you, what are you looking to feel? What are you looking to experience? Who do you want to experience? You know, why can't you do this where you are? Now, granted, it's real easy. And I took total advantage of that and leveraged that like crazy in coming to Paris and completely changing my environment. And that was massive for me. It was massive. And I had no, but I had no intention. My only intention was find yourself, you know, find, you know, just see where this goes. Well, life is about now. It's not, I don't know what's going to happen, uh, you know, in the future. Uh, I just want to see if I can love life now. Right. And that helped. My, my pulling myself out of where I was living was, in a, it was a great thing for me. It was monumental. But I am part of, believe this or not, there's only really 0.025%, say that again, 0.025% of Americans worldwide that actually live in France, that are residents of France. A lot of people kind of dream about this or have maybe some wealthy people have second houses, of course, or these things, but, you know, most visited country pretty much in the world or most visited city. Uh, and, you know, I'm one of the guys who, you know, kind of you know, has made a life there, which, uh, which I love. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, I would just say to yourself, first of all, you know, look around where you're spending your time, what environments, um, you know, get yourself back into that state of, of courageous energy and getting into shape, the self-love kind of stuff we were talking about. Um, but while you're doing that, to to go out and connect uh, more and to do things that, that bring you that feeling that you're seeking, you know, to look into what, am I, what do I really want to experience besides, of course, the brand new. Um, that's... Because that, and at some point, that'll work for a short time, but then it's not gonna. It may not last forever. I mean, I shouldn't say that because Paris for me is like this endless. I'm like I'm like endlessly a foreigner and a tourist and an outsider and a. And on one side, I love that. For me, that works really well. Uh, that's why I, I guess, in some respects, I've always wanted to be this sort of independent, free spirited, uh, you know, person who builds a life of. Just choosing who, you know, was able to work in Hollywood without living in Hollywood. You know, all these kinds of things I was able to luckily do, but it only happened because I, I took the step and kind of opened up. And again, all of it happened very serendipitously. There was no, like, career plan. There was no – when I was working at Disney, I remember I was looking up after four and a half years. And I'm like, I don't want anyone's job here. Like, I just – I'm not, I'm not the corporate guy. I'm just not – and I jumped to a five-person – startup within the entertainment world. Um, so we put a little bit too much weight on also the you know experience and nothing says you can't find a creative way to maybe plan far ahead and then you know rent your place out, do whatever you do and go for six months and try it out. 
but because I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's a very big kind of big difference here, you know, because a lot of people kind of do this. They like go off and say, oh, I'm going to find myself. I'm going to go find my path. And, and they go and a lot of them come back probably, I don't know if it's most of them, but a lot of them come back really disappointed. Right. They didn't find that connection with themselves they're looking for because when they went, they kind of did them, but over there. And that's not work. You don't put yourself outside your comfort zone. You spend time only with new people, but then it's not just the easy, like, you know, people, no, no, you got to stretch. That's when, like, the, the, the crazy dots connect and the serendipity happens and boom, you find the fusion. You're like, that's me. That's it. That's my thing. That's who I am. You know, and you can do this where you are. I think you have to shake it up a bit in terms of who you spend your time with. And again, there's something for me about spending time with, uh, with artists and kind of the serendipity. I mean, like artists can just show up, like a guitarist shows up at a party, another guitarist shows up, and you know, next you know, they're kind of just start playing together. It's like, oh my God, this is like, that's life. That, that's it. That's, they don't know each other. They didn't ask, uh, Wait a minute, uh, you know, can you play the high and I'll play the... No, no, they just start, like, playing and then improvising. They just start jamming and, and that's it, yeah, and it happens. Bloody hell. You know, so if we can start jamming with people, even in the town where we're living in, you know, and the fun with people like that, and it doesn't necessarily have to be artists and performers and things, but I think there's a lot there in that. And it's not just going to performances. That's, that's vicarious living. we got to get away from vicarious living. We need to become an actor and to actually experience, and this could be going to, you know, you go to a dance class and, you know, sign on to the team for, you know, six months. It could be something, so many things. I mean, there's so many things that everyone in New York could be shooting. It could be learning an instrument. It could be, you know, um, uh, trying to spend time with people who uh, study rockets, you know, whatever it is. Um, and kind of just why, again, while you're going through this, for me, it all comes down to the people, you know, whatever you love to do, if you're doing it with people you love hanging out with, you know, and you're, you're really just, you know, you, um, that's loving life. You know, it could be, you could be bloody anywhere for that. You really could be anywhere for that. But we talked about earlier leadership. You going first. You saying, okay, shit, I'm going to do a dinner party at my home. I don't know how to cook, but I'm going to, I'm going to make, take this challenge. You know, I'm going to whip out something and, I'm going to really kind of study that. Like I focus on other things and people are going to be blown away. What I, what I do, I'm not going to do it the easy route. I'm not just going to go and get frozen this and package that. And no, no, I'm actually going to do some things that are going to show them how much I care for them, how much I want them to give me that much love in return, that much, you know, attention, that much generosity of spirit and heart and just to be themselves. And you'll, you'll just, you know, you're just like fluidly, flow into more of you and in more opportunities and more occasions and suddenly this is for me this is where abundance comes from the creativity of what you want to do the ideas who you want to work with uh, all these things start to come into um, your radar which has been a little bit maybe overly rational overly um, status quo overly kind of comfort zone um, overly routine overly you know kind of like you say, kind of saying the only way out of this is to, is maybe to flee because I can't, I can't figure out how to shake it up. Um, and yeah, and ask to be invited along and reach out. And as you create more and you invite, people will create more and invite you. And, you know, all these things start to happen. And suddenly you realize you have the richest life, uh, you know, that, that you can have. And you just, 
again, you kind of go back to loving life again. So Amazing. And that totally resonated with me in a lot of ways. And I do want to be, I know we have to start wrapping up here in a little bit. I want to ask you, because you have your um, sensory experience days, I believe that's what it's called. Talk a little bit more about what, I'm not sure if I said it correctly, but yeah, talk a little bit more about that and what you're doing with that program, because it sounds very interesting to me and I want people to hear more about that. Sure. So, uh, you know, in this quest, uh, probably for me to be in a space of you know, expansion, abundance, present moment awareness, uh, you know, really what I feel is transformational. This way of getting really back to ourself and reconnecting in a, in a meaningful way, in a way that's, you know, super pleasurable actually, and is not through some kind of crazy struggle thing, uh, and really getting out of our heads. It's really, for me, it's something that relies a lot on our, our senses and getting better at re, Focusing, um, getting better at coming back to appreciating what we're experiencing sensorially. So, you know, this experience is kind of the culmination of uh, all the things that I feel create uh, a space, uh, you know, of pleasure, of joy, and uh, of artistic um, generosity, of giving and receiving of uh, enabling people to um, not just be a standby or uh, standby audience member, but which is part of that, but life is also about, you know, really stepping up and stepping in and, but also not being like overcomplicated about it. I mean, you know, just, it's got to be easier than that, you know, to, to do that thing that's like, no, 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 I, I don't sing. Well, we're all getting up and singing. So you're going to, you know, I are not even going to ask. Everyone just kind of gets up and does it because someone just did and they're inviting us and everyone's feeling good. And, so it's like I'm trying to help people find that space of abundance in themselves and especially to externalize it and share it with others. And in so doing, uh, achieve what I call this, uh, you know, a, a ongoing state of a lifefulness, uh, which is really, uh, you know, the umbrella of, uh, of all that I, that I do, uh, you know, and again, it comes back to these things about like comfort zone expansion. It's got to be ongoing, you know, that you're, that you're the leader in the meaning making of what's happening in your life. Uh, that you really take on that responsibility that you're, uh, that you're making conscious aligned choices, you know, with your gut and your instinct and your heart. It's not just, you know, only rational that there's, there's a certain sense of, uh, you know, feeling that you're making the right empowered choices for yourself. Uh, you know, this sharing of your personal power is, you know, massive. Uh, you know, that's how we unleash this, this side of us that's so suppressed, that's, um, hungry to find its, um, connection with the world and with others and, and things. And, and of course, choosing for me, you know, as much as possible, always making the choice of quality over quantity. You know, uh, you know, it's almost like the, the this, this formula, uh, Jomo, more Jomo plus less FOMO equals more Mojo, right? What's Jomo? <laughs> Jomo, joy of missing out. Oh, joy of missing out. Gotcha. Right. Less FOMO and more out. Mojo. So getting back to making quality choices and not just accepting everything. And, and so all of this is embodied in this one day retreat like experience, uh, that we, we offer and that we're going to be extending to, you know, longer retreats, um, down the, down the road. It's a very unique blend, uh, the way that we, we do things. So it's really about, you know, 
um, coming into the moment in such a, uh, a deep way that you really, you really reconnect with yourself deeply. And so it's called Sensorial Experience Day. Is that what it's called? Sensorial Experience Day. And you're doing one in Boulder, Colorado. Is that what you're doing in Boulder right now? Yeah, we're in Boulder here. We're putting on on May 7th, on Sunday, May 7th, yeah. So when somebody shows up, paint me a picture. Like, is it a full-day thing? Like, do you come at 9 a.m.? Like, how does that look for somebody when they show up at one of these events? Like, what happens within that experience for somebody that's a participant? Yeah, I can't really tell you that or I have to shoot you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's David's secret. (laughs) So it goes from, like, 12 to um, 7 or 8. That's what we call pretty much a full a full day, and uh, you know, um, I I don't really communicate who is going to be coming to, to contribute, what kinds of things are going to happen. I think there's enough in the videos and stuff that we share that gives a sense of what's happening. But I feel so deeply uh, about this uh, this way of being in the world of that a lot of life is about serendipity, um, surprise, uh, you know, anticipation, a little bit of mystery. A little bit of showmanship, uh, and again, removing the labels, removing the well. What do you do? We don't do that. At my experience, you come in, you put your phone into a box, uh, and immediately you start connecting uh, in ways that we, you know, enhance and facilitate. Perhaps the champagne helps a little bit, but okay. Uh, to you know, deliciously start connecting with people in a in a in a way that doesn't have to do with a lot of the stuff that we talked about. The, uh, that, uh, you know, life is not just a transactional, um, connection with people. There's so much more there. And I'm opening up people to this creativity and this abundance within them to connect with each other. So, you know, things will happen during the day. Uh, you know, maybe a half dozen or so, um, uh, you know, people will be contributing in one way or another, some sort of artistic expression, some sort of, uh, speaking. Uh, and of course there's, you know, like uh, a half, uh, about a dozen probably uh, dishes that we ate throughout the day in a, in a chef's tasting menu. And we're really kind of like on a train going through, a, you know, uh, going through the hills, going by the desert, going, you know, we're kind of going through all the different weathers and seasons. But we really stop at the stations, and each station is all about focusing on that experience. Uh, this is not a multitasking experience. <laughs> you know, there are moments in between where people are socializing, of course. And there is at the end and all this kind of stuff. But uh, as we go through, you know, when someone is offering something, when someone is contributing, when someone is generously opening up, you know, everyone is right there. We're not like eating and listening to music and the person's talking. No, 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 no. You know, so I really create a, a, a safe, trusting space to really open up and to get people to stretch a bit on their edge if it's artists or other types of people. So it's, again, not the sort of status quo, not the same old, same old. Uh, and, you know, of course, with the objective that, and this is the case, that there's some kind of breakthrough for people, there's some kind of choice that they've been struggling with that they're able to finally make, that there's some um, some cloud in their relationship with themselves that they can get through when they get here because they leave that, you know, manic, crazy headspace. And this sensorially stimulating people has a kind of quantum effect to it uh, that creates a tremendous release. It's like a vacation, a staycation from your head uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, a different kind of way of experiencing each other and, and things. And it just so brings you back into, you know, what makes life beautiful, what makes you love life.
And yeah, that's really the, in, the intention is to, of course, have a, a most deliciously pleasurable, transformative experience with, with other people in a relatively intimate uh, setting. Uh, this is not a 500 person event, but, you know, usually 25 to 30, 35, maybe. Something like that. So it's about going deeper. There's too much. There's. I'm just. I'm more interested in that kind of a experience. And actually, we're going to be extending it because it's. It's not. It's not enough. It's not enough. People are asking for, for more, longer, deeper. You know, uh, kind of, a, kind of thing. And so much comes out of this. People have met the love of their life and got married. Uh, you know, people have uh, made the hard choice they didn't want to make, but now they feel better about. Uh, there's lots of, you know, emotional feeling that's going on during the day. I've been to so many experiences and we've got to do some of these, but that's like speaking to my head. And, uh, I wanted to create something that gives you some food for thought, but is much more about an embodiment and a connection with life that's, that goes deeper and it really, you know, but in, a, in as much as possible, pleasurable kind of, kind of way. I mean, there'll be crying for some people. There'll be, you know, insane laughter, of course. Uh, uh, and just people just love this day, and it's really just the embodiment of what I'm trying to um, to share with the world. Is there's so much to love about the people around us that we know nothing about? They all have talent you can't even imagine. I mean, sit around a dinner table with six people and just say, okay, tonight we're just, you know, we're going to be the entertainment. And, oh, but well, this guy sings, this guy plays piano, this guy tells insane jokes. That's like you've created your own some sort of experience in your life, in your daily life. And then the choices around the food that you you suddenly realize, wow, <clears throat> I can do and you know a simple thing like I don't know, like mangoes. I can just peel and whip them, and when they're really ripe, and it becomes this unctuous, incredible mousse, like I would eat in a three-star restaurant. Uh, this transformation happens without you know any additives or any sugar. It's just natural. It's real food. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the real, uh, the real fundamentals. Of life where I feel is the pleasure. That's where the quality is. That's where the deeper connection is. That's where the depth versus the width is. You know, a lot of these things mean so much to me. And I feel there's, there's a real desire for people to, um, to get better at making those choices to initiate themselves, to start knowing what they don't know and, and these things. So I'm, I'm doing what I can to support people and open people and educate people and train people and inspire people and all these things in, in that direction. Amazing. I love it. Cool, Dave. Well, it's been a blast. I want to be respectful of your time. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about one of these days or just reach out to you and connect with you? Where's the best place to connect with you? Uh, probably Facebook is probably the best. You can find me, uh, uh, David Brown, on Facebook out of Paris. You can also go to Sensorial Experiences on Facebook. And then, of course, my website, www.alivefulness.com with one L which you can also use uh, at davidbrower.com. Um, that's probably the main really the main uh, places to, to connect with me. And yeah, reach out. I obviously love meeting new, new interesting people, but remember how to reach out to me. <laughs> with emotion and connection, authenticity. Master course here. So. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I will link all that out in the show notes. Davey, thank you so much. It's been a blast having you on the show today. Thanks, Philippe. It's great. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with David Brower. 
I definitely found that super valuable, especially the part when he was talking about when he went to Paris and when he was fleeing from and really pulling away and reflecting my own personal insights. But the big thing that I really want to highlight is when you're going into an event and when Dave talked about creating serendipitous moments and connections in the universe, things that I call magic, where he talked about when you walk into a room, being open to possibility, being curious to what's there, having your energy open and in a giving place. Because when we do that, we can create so much more connection for ourselves. And he even talked about getting yourself in the right headspace before we go out, whether that's a networking event, a date or whatever it may be, making sure that you're internally happy. And if that means doing a workout, doing a meditation, going for a sprint, whatever that is for you, about priming your state and getting to that place where you will feel open and energized and happy in your own being to connect with other people. And there's an argument to be said, if you don't feel that way, should you even be going out, right? And that's the pro and the cons. But understanding of what it is that you can do to create those serendipitous, magical moments where you can connect and really open up with people. And like he said, that really begins by being open when we enter a room, being curious and having given energy. And so that's my big takeaway from this conversation. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, jump onto iTunes, leave a review if you feel compelled to, and share with somebody that may also need to hear it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and until next time.